This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. He gets so crazy at times. It sounds like... You yell back at your radio. What are you talking about? What the hell? He gets so angry. You tweet to try and calm him down. Now, he gets an hour all to himself. It's Sparky's Midday Madness on the fan with Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Welcome in to Sparky's Midday Madness. Live from the Gene Wagner Plumbing Studios. See Sparky Fiber with you for the next hour. And that will take you right up to the Romney Show from 3 until 6 this afternoon. Then tonight, after the last pitch, you make the switch after Brewers and Marlins to the Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin postgame show, driven by Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove with the franchise uh, Tim Allen. Looking forward. Uh, to hearing uh, from Tim tonight after this one. Hopefully their offense steps up uh, and is better. And lead off today's show, talking about something me and Dan Plucker were talking about uh, during the big show in a commercial break. And we thought, hey, you know what? This would be a good topic. I don't think anybody has really discussed this, at least not that we've heard uh, so far uh, in the area. And that is Jesus Aguilar. You know, Jesus Aguilar is a guy that, Remember, I mean, they they kind of picked up on a flyer, really didn't know what he was going to be per se, but he was blocked. Uh, where was it? Cleveland, I believe it was, and had no way of getting up uh, to really be that everyday first baseman. And then, you know, he gets to Milwaukee and Aguilar puts on a show, right? And everybody loves them some Asus Aguilar uh, while he was the Brewers. Then he fades a little bit. And after he fades, the Brewers decide that they're going to move on from Jesus Aguilar. Now, right now, if you look at Jesus Aguilar's numbers to this point, he's hitting 292, three home runs, 17 RBIs, has an 849 uh, OPS this year. As we sit currently, that's where Jesus Aguilar's numbers are. Now, remember, this is a dude that plays first base is six foot three. So he's got some size to him as well. More size than Keston Hira uh, for certain. And you go back and look at his numbers. When he was going right, when he was in Milwaukee, uh, that first year in 2017, 133 games played, 279 at-bats. He had 265 with 16 homers and 52 RBIs. And that's kind of when everyone's like, hey, maybe this guy's going to do something. And in 2018, he gets the job, 149 games, 492 at-bats, he hits 274 with 35 homers and 108 RBIs. That next year he plays the least amount of games he had played uh, because he ended up getting moved to Tampa. 94 uh, games played, 222 at bats, ends up hitting 225 with only a 320 on base percentage, only 374 slugging. He goes to Tampa to finish out the rest of that season uh, and hits a little bit better 261, 336 on base. 
Then you get to the Marlins in 2020, abbreviated season last year, eight homers, 34 RBIs, 277, 352 on base. And now his numbers this year. Really, in the grand scheme of things, the only year where he was really down was 2019, where he really had a fair amount of at-bats throughout the course of a year to say, okay. And all I can think of, to be honest with you, is the Brewers looked at Aguilar and said, well, flash in the pan. Like, not going to put up those numbers again like he did the previous year in 2018. That was just a career year. Let's move on from Aguilar now while we can uh, and get something in return. That, that that's, that's the only reasoning I have as far as to why you would move on from Aguilar at that point because you know, Moustakis and Grandal, that's not th- that's not first base. Moustakis was playing third. Grandal was at catcher. Aguilar was on a cheap deal. You weren't paying Aguilar any type of money per se. So that wasn't the issue. And now you sit here and look at the first base situation for the Milwaukee Brewers, which has left you with Keston Hira uh, at first base because he hasn't worked out at second base. And now you have Colton Wonga go Glover at second base. So there's really nowhere to move Keston Hira at this point. If he's not at first base, you certainly aren't playing Keston Hira at third base. Uh, And to think of what this lineup might look like if Jesus Aguilar playing the way he is currently is in this lineup to go along with Wong, to go along with Urias, to go along with Narvaez and Yelich and Kane and Bradley and uh, Garcia, who's struggling currently, but he'll be fine. And Billy McKinney and these guys to go along with everything else that you have. And Travis Shaw at third base, his lineup becomes uh, significantly better. I think if he's in there and playing at the level that he's capable of. And that leads to the question real nice and easy. Did the Brewers make a mistake by trading Jesus Aguilar? 414-799-1250. 414-799-1250. You can tweet us at 1250 AM The Fan or at Sparky Radio. Dan Plucker, executive producer, is the other side of the glass. We talked about this in the break during the big show. Dan, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, absolutely. I think they made a mistake. I mean, we were talking about it, like you said earlier, and the 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 issue still remains back from when Jesus Aguilar was with the team. Ever since he left, they did, haven't had a consistent first baseman. And they've wanted a corner infielder. I think at the time they were hoping that Travis Shaw would be that guy who could play both first and third. And then he fell off a cliff too. And sure, he was on the last year of his contract. Sure, he was turning 30 years old, like J.R. Radcliffe just tweeted at the station. But... He's making $4.35 million this season. You say, you're telling me you can't pay less than $5 million for a first baseman that hits around 290, 280? Well, not to mention the fact you traded him for a guy who, in his time with the Milwaukee Brewers, I had an 11 4 2 ERA uh, in nine games pitched. That, that was his ERA in 2019 uh, for the Milwaukee Brewers when he came over in that deal. And I don't believe he's been in the, in the major leagues since then. Right. That was the last time we've we've seen of Mr. Jake. He, he's been gone. With that money, so let's say that $4.35 million, last year they had Jed Jerko yep. and Eric Sogard, and that those two contracts together would have paid for Jesus Aguilar. So I, I just don't I, – I can't fathom in my brain why the Brewers would have moved, moved on from him at that point. And even to this day, everybody – it seems like there are so many players on this baseball team that get – chance after chance after chance to prove themselves 
And as soon as Jesus Aguilar, like you said, flashed in the pan, they kind of just gave up on him and right. moved away. Look, and, and at that point, by the time the end of the season was done, I was done trying to defend him. I was that season. I was like, I'm fine. You want to move him, go ahead and move him. If you think that's you think that's going to make things better, go ahead. And the problem was the guy they moved him for sunk. It was awful. Uh, and so obviously it didn't work out. Now, you can say it didn't work out for Tampa Bay either because now he's a member of the Marlins. They moved on from him after the 2019 season, and then he went and got a deal in Miami. So from from that standpoint, as far as Jesus Aguilar goes, and I understand age is, is a thing where he's 30 years old right now uh, currently, but realistically, if you look at it, wouldn't you rather have Aguilar at first base right now than Keston Hira? And wouldn't you rather have that scenario? You know, and you threw out a thing, Plucker, where Colton Wong could, you know, be your third baseman, even though he's never played there, and Keston Hira could be your second baseman if that's something you wanted to do. And I just wonder, because again, the Marlins are the Marlins, I just wonder if, by the deadline, if Keston Hira you know, isn't figuring things out or whatever the case may be, whether or not they would consider moving Keston Hira at some point to try to go get a real first baseman to play first base and be able to leave Travis Shaw at third base uh, or to get a real third baseman if Travis Shaw doesn't hit again. Yeah, it really wouldn't surprise me at this point. And Keston's bat is starting to heat up, so I'm going to give him a little bit of credit. He's been playing better the last couple days. He had a three-hit performance over the weekend. Yep, and then people crushed him anyhow for it. Right, Uh, but... And he's still a young. He's still a young bat. The pressure of the world's on him. Yes. But you're, but you're right. The the Brewers are desperately in need of somebody to come and hit behind Christian Yelich. They need they need somebody who's going to be another threat, a player who's going to have power and can knock in runs. And right now it's Yelich, and then who? Here is supposed to be that guy, and right you now he's no, far from it. You have no quote protection for him in the lineup right now for Yelich, providing Yelich gets back into the lineup sometime soon with this back thing that he's got going on. I'm not quite sure how long it's going to take for him to get back in. But so that's the, that's the question on the table. Do you think the Brewers made a mistake getting rid of Jesus Aguilar at this point? That, that I think is, is the biggest thing that I think we all have to kind of discuss because you saw last night, Aguilar is a factor. He was a factor in the, the first run that Corbin Burns gave up, and I think it's going to continue uh, to be a factor in this thing going forward. And the longer you have a situation where you are struggling with bats in this lineup and struggling with offense in general, and you see a guy that was on your team hitting the ball well for another team at a position that you need – I don't, I don't think it's unfair to say they made a mistake with that trade. And again, they were playing for the now, right? And we always talk about that. We talk about it with the Packers. We want to play for now. Push your chips in. Let's not wait forever to see if Jordan Love is good or not. Let's just move on and get somebody that can come in and help us win a Super Bowl now. The Brewers were in a situation then where, again, they were playing kind of for the now uh, at that moment in time. And obviously, it's backfired somewhat uh, since moving on from Azus Aguilar. You've struggled with that position. Do you think moving on from Jesus Aguilar was a mistake? 414-799-1250. 414-799-1250. Tweet us uh, at 1250 AM The Fan and at Sparky Radio. Welcome back, Sparky's Midday Madness. How are you doing on the Tuesday leading up to the NFL draft? Coming off of a Brewers loss last night at American Family Fields. Talking about Jesus Aguilar. 
And whether or not you think the Brewers made a mistake moving on from him, considering what they look like currently uh, on this roster at first base. And Dan Plucker referenced the J.R. Radcliffe uh, tweet earlier. And Radcliffe, uh, again, for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, we had him on the big show. When was that? Was that last week? He was on the Wendy's last Big Show? Last week, yeah. Yeah, last week. Love me some J.R. Radcliffe. Uh, tweets at 1250 AM, the fan, and at Spark and says, the way the system works means teams can't be eternally patient with everyone. He wasn't producing, was out of options, and turned 30 in 2020. It was reasonable to see 2018 as an outlier. They needed the uh, relief pitching, didn't work out, and had options at first base. This is This is the thing. So, yes, they need a relief pitching. I don't disagree with you. My issue with this is if you use an overall scope at Jesus Aguilar's numbers and you look at what his minor league numbers were, that's why they gave him a flyer when they did in 2017 based on his minor league numbers and what they saw and figuring this dude's never really had a full shot. I mean, the most games played he ever had in the big leagues until 2017 was in 2014, he only got to play in 19 games. Outside of that, seven games he got to play in like September every year, 2015 through 2000, uh, in 2015. Then he got to play nine games in 2016. Uh, and then 2017, he finally gets the, the shot with the Brewers. I, from the perspective of was it a big enough sample size to determine whether that was an outlier or not, I guess I disagree. I don't. I don't know that it was. You know, if he would have went on and stunk in 2020 after doing what he did in 2019, okay, fine. I guess I can get down with that. Because remember, he got on fire, like unconscious in 2018, right? And got going. Everybody's like, oh my God, like every night he's on sports center just hitting bombs out of the yard. It was like watching mini Babe Ruth or whatever you want to say hit baseballs. He got red hot. So you look at it and go, well, he's never going to do that again. Well, he hasn't ever had that many at-bats again since 2018 to really make that determination. Not a single year has he got to play uh, and have, let's see, at-bats, 492 at-bats in 2018. Hasn't come close to that many at-bats since then. So nobody has given him a full season at first base playing every day to see whether or not he can replicate those numbers again or not, Plucker. Right. Well, last season he played 51 games starting at first base with a truncated season. Yeah. yeah. But if you look at his numbers, they're actually in in those 51 games, they're actually very similar to that 2018 season. He had 8 homers, 34 RBIs and hit 277 right. in 51 games. You triple that, let's say for a regular season, he has right about 25 homers, around 100 RBIs and is hitting 270. Right. And that's right about where he was when he was an All-Star in 2018. 35 homers, 108 RBIs, and he hit 274. Got a tweet coming in here. Ian tweets at 1250 AM, the fan, and at Sparky Radio. Can't waste a roster spot on a guy with no options that wasn't hitting and can only play first base. Kesson here has options. But as of right now, he can only play first base, had another error last night, and he's not hitting. Kesson Hira is a guy that has hit all the way through the minors, including that first you know, cup of coffee in the majors with the Brewers. Stunk last year, stinks again this year. So from, from that, and again, that's my favorite Brewer at this point, Kesson Hira. Do I believe he'll hit again? Yes. Do I think that he's going to be that 300 hitter that everybody expects to see? Yes. But if it's, 
hey, we don't got time to wait to see to see him develop. If he hadn't figured it out by the trade deadline, we got to move on and find somebody that can play for us and win right now. If that's the mindset, then that's fine. Then so be it. Go ahead and do it. But whoever you bring in in exchange for Keston Hero better produce more than Keston Hero is producing at that position. Garrett Cooper was another guy on this Marlins team that was in the Brewers farm system and coming up. Another guy that they didn't think was going to work and they moved on from. And this Brewers farm system has stunk at first base for the longest of times, guys. They don't draft first basemen. Early in drafts, have no interest in drafting first baseman. And that position has been a problem. Third base, outside of Lucas Ersig, you haven't had any hot shot third base prospect to talk about in a long time. The last one was Braun, and he flamed out after one year at third base and couldn't handle it. So you had to move on from him. Both those corner positions under David Stearns have been brutal. You signed Mustakas to cover your tail end, but from a drafting and developing standpoint, it's been non-existent non-existent so are you really in a place when you do have guys that can hit to move on that quickly from either one of those guys if it was i want to keep cooper over aguilar fine but again cooper never got that shot at the major league level for the brewers either plucker same thing we talk about all the time with the green bay packers about how well they don't value the linebacker the middle linebacker position you know, that's the issue. They, they're they not going to waste a first-round pick on a Micah Parsons like Leroy wants them to because they don't value that position. Then you bring on NFL experts that talk about the fact that, well, in this defense, you really don't need that great middle linebacker, per se, to play the Joe Barry-style defense that the Rams play. So then that goes against it as well. And then you have a guy that's going to go in the Pro Football Hall of Fame and Leroy Butler that tells you, hey, hey, I want this dude. This dude's going to wreck offenses. Get me Micah Parsons. Guess what? In baseball, first baseman can wreck teams. Third baseman can wreck opposing pitchers. And I know I'm old. I get it. I do. I understand I'm old. I'm fine with it. I've accepted it. But when I used to watch baseball, first base and third base were your power positions. Corner outfield could be your power positions. Speed came from center field, shortstop, second base. Those were guys at the top of the order, bottom of the order. And then your power, three, four, five, six, that was your corners and your couple outfielders. That's where it was. You look at this Brewers team right now and how this is set up currently, right? You have, well, literally no production out of first base to speak of as of right now. Shaw started hot. He's regressed. So he's coming back to the pack right now at third base. So neither one of those two positions as we speak here in April, again, six-month season. Travis Shaw could get back to being where he was at the beginning of the month, and everything will be fine at third base. Kasson here could get back to hitting the way he hit two years ago, and everything could be fine at first base. But right now, you have no backup plan. There is no alternative to if Travis Shaw doesn't work at third base. There is no alternative to if Keston Hira doesn't work out at first base. Your ulterior, your alternate plan is Dan Vogelback, who, again, defensively, hmm. range, hmm. hitting, I'll be honest with you, I don't know. I mean, he, I liked him last year, and I kind of like him this year. Is he going to put up Aguilar numbers? I doubt it. I, I doubt it. 
and you don't even have a Vogelback to look at at third base if Travis Shaw doesn't work out. If Travis Shaw doesn't work out at third base, you can play Robertson? That's your answer? Because that hasn't been pretty at this point. I don't think that's it. Then you call up another guy last night, who again, Bob Reyes played well in spring training, so now you're going to give him a chance to get in there and play. You have no depth at those two positions, so when you move on from an Aguilar or a Cooper, who, again, showed you, well, Aguilar for sure, showed you he could do it at the major league level and had it down near the following year, and you feel confident enough, ah, we're good. I... Again, I'm amazed we haven't done this topic since, but doing it now and you start really thinking about it and analyzing this organization and where their weaknesses are, it's first and third. Now, would I rather be in a position to sign a a free agent first baseman or third baseman or to trade for an Aguilar at the trade deadline versus a starting pitcher? Abso-freaking-lutely. I'd much rather deal for a veteran third baseman or first baseman at the deadline to put us over the top than be in a situation where I got to worry about giving up half my farm system to get Zach Rinke. Like, I'd much rather be worried about acquiring bats at the deadline. So that, to me, is a positive from the Brewer standpoint. But that does not gloss over how bad they've been in developing those two positions in the farm system, Dan Plucker. And that's why I think it really spotlights this whole Aguilar conversation we're having right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talk about Ursig, Cooper, all these guys that were supposed to come up and be those hitters here at the major league level. And Cooper traded Ursig kind of falling off a cliff too. Like what, what, when was the last time you heard that Ursig was raking in the minor leagues? Like, to be fair, there was no minor league season last year. Correct. But even so, like he wasn't at the alternate training camp just lighting it up out Not there. at all. So I, I I it's it's baffling to be honest with you how it seems they can develop so many other positions, so many other areas, especially pitching, which credit to David Stearns, credit to the pitching coaches throughout the years in Milwaukee. They've done an excellent job building Woodruff, Burns, and Peralta into what they, and Hauser for Pete's sakes, and Hader, the list goes on and on, into what they are today and the amazing pitching staff. But the offense, which has been what has carried this team when it has been good in the past, is now really struggling without you, you know some of their best players. Brew Crew Ball uh, tweets at us, good friends over at Brew Crew Ball, and they say Aguilar was struggling and out of options at the time of the trade. But since the Brewers made this deal, Aguilar is hitting 276, 353 on base, 452 slugging, 15 homers. Brewers first baseman since that trade plucker, since the Aguilar trade, are hitting 212, a 300 on base percentage, 425 slugging. Now they've had more homers than Aguilar, 29 homers. Strikeout percentage, Aguilar striking out an 18.1% clip. Brewers first baseman since the Aguilar deal are striking out at a 30.3% clip. Walks Aguilar walking at an 11% clip. Brewers first baseman since then, 9.5% clip. Outside of home runs, Aguilar crushing them across the board outside of any other first baseman they've put at that position since Aguilar. And I'm sorry, I would much rather prefer Aguilar up there at the plate right now than Hira or Vogelbach. For Easily. sure. I don't care. Absolutely. I don't care with, about how many home runs that they're hitting. If you can continue continue to advance in the lineup and get the next batters up at the plate, more people opportunities, extend innings, make pitchers pitch more pitches. That's what you want. That's what the whole game of baseball and the way that the Brewers play is about. And so it it's it it makes me wonder how short the leash is this year with Vogelbach because he only, he played 19 games with the Brewers last season. 
hit 328, but this year we're at 20 and he's hitting 222. So, I mean, at what point, if if Aguilar is hitting 260 or 212, that's what he hit with right. the Brewers when they decided to cut him. That's what you just, or what somebody else tweeted. I can't remember who else tweeted that, but Aguilar, Aguilar was hitting. Aguilar, when he moved on from the Brewers, was hitting 225, 320 on base, 374 slugging. Brewers' first baseman since Aguilar was traded are hitting 212. Exactly. Co- combined. Yeah. All so Aguilar them. was is better. Oh, yeah. Was better than. And is better through the the same amount of time. Are right now. Right. And is better than what they are right now through the same amount of time since he left. I I, again. Now, we what's gonna be nuts here in this whole deal is is come trade deadline, if Aguilar's still raking, and who knows where the Marlins will be in the standings, but if that that's a possibility of him being on the block, then it's gonna be us going, Well, can you really give up on Keston Hira at that young of an age? Can you really give up on him? Because you have nowhere to put him if you do give up on him at that point. But if the Brewers are in first place and your pitchers are rolling and you're a big stick away from fixing this thing, Aguilar's going to come cheaper than Anthony Rizzo or Chris Bryant, I'd imagine. So, you know, that's that's something that may come up as a conversation piece. Maybe Vogelback gets kicked to the curb and Aguilar takes his spot on the bench and rotates in with Keston here at first base. Right. And we've already seen I'd Stearns... rather have Agu- Aguilar than Vogelback. That's for certain. Right. We've already seen Stearns give a hitter another chance. Like he brought Travis Shaw back this yep. year. What's saying that he wouldn't wouldn't have the idea of bringing Aguilar back this season? And I'm going to point it out. Je- I, I believe Jed Jerko was still a free agent and he was one of the better hitters yes. on this Brewers team last season. Still is. So he could be another option to bring in, play third yes. base, and move uh, Shaw over to first. Jerko is still available, yes. Uh, also, I, I want to talk, since you brought it up, you said it, you didn't know this, but giving players second chances in Milwaukee, I really need some help on something concerning a player that's out there that wants a second chance, well, third or fourth chance maybe with this organization, and why he's still out there. Like, I I don't understand. I, I'm I'm struggling to grasp what is going on with one certain player that I think would look just fine in a Brewers uniform again. And he's been in a Brewers form, you know, multiple other times. We'll discuss that. Coming up next, Sparky's Midday Madness here on 1250 AM, The Fan in Odyssey Station. Welcome back. It is Sparky's Midday Madness here on 1250 AM, The Fan. See Sparky Pfeiffer with you along with... Our guy, Dan Plucker, executive producer of the show, other side of the glass. And again, I just saw Gary Ellerson uh, tweeted just a a few minutes ago. Uh, He's reading his Our Lads draft guide, which I have here in the building as well from Dan Shanka, uh, and getting ready for our draft show coming up on Thursday night. Don't miss that Green and Gold draft show Thursday night at 7 with Gary and myself. Right here on The Fan, the Green and Gold Draft Show presented to you by Hyundai West Alice, Brothers Consolidated Heating and Air Conditioning, Wisconsin Lutheran College, and of course, Leap Premium Vodka will be on from 7 to about 11 o'clock coming up on Thursday evening. We'll see what the Packers do uh, with that pick. I teased you before the break talking about a guy that has been uh, in a Brewers uniform before. Dan Plucker had said about giving Aguilar a second chance. Uh, and the guy who I was hinting at, who I, I know many of you probably knew who I was talking about, is Jeremy Jeffers. And Jeremy Jeffers is still sitting out there at this moment in time. Now, remember, Jeremy Jeffers is a guy that came up through the Brewers farm system, had some uh, issues off the field, and got suspended multiple times, and was one suspension away in the minors uh, from getting suspended for life from baseball, uh, and thankfully uh, never got to that point. But 
Uh, when you look at Jeremy Jeffers, he made his major league debut in 2010 with the Brewers at age 22. Then he goes in the Zach Grinky deal uh, to the Kansas City Royals. The Brewers get Grinky and uh, Unesky Betancourt uh, and $2 million in cash considerations. In exchange, the Royals got Alcides Escobar, Lorenzo Cain, Jake Odorizzi, and Jeremy Jeffers. Think about those names. All quality, long-time Major League Baseball players. All of them. Uh for Grinky. Uh, so he goes to Kansas City. He's only there a couple of years. Then he ends up in Toronto in 2013 and 14. Then uh, the Brewers end up picking him up in 2014 and keep him through 2015 and 2016 before he's moved to Texas. That did not go well at the end of 16 and 17. Back to Milwaukee, he comes in 17 uh, and is there in 18, an all star year. In 2019, his age 31 year ends up with the Cubs in 2020 and out of baseball since. I don't know what's going on with Jeremy Jeffers. I have no idea. I saw Jeremy Jeffers tweet out a, a while back something about uh, not being a good teammate in the clubhouse and so forth and don't think he's a good fit and essentially thinks that's why he's not with a Major League Baseball team uh, at this point. Now, the last time he was in a Brewers uniform, he had an ERA of 5.02 in just 52 innings pitched. That, that's 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 not very good. Uh, I'm just here to tell you that's not very good. That was uh, 12 games, uh, uh, 48 games, I should say, uh, for Jeremy Jeffers in 2019. In 2020, his last year in the big leagues, as of right now, I don't remember if everybody knows what Jeremy Jeffers did. He was 4-1 for the Cubs with a 1-5-4 ERA, guys, in 2020. 1-5-4 ERA. Again, 20-30 innings pitched, 22 games, and can't get a job in the big leagues? Like, what am I missing here? If you look at this, and again, clearly we're all missing a lot, if not one Major League Baseball team based off of his last time in the bigs wants to sign Jeremy Jeffers at this point. But if you look at this bullpen, if you get Jeremy Jeffers back into this bullpen, and I'm not saying he's got to be an all-star with a 1-2-9 ERA and 8-1 record like he was in 2018. I'm not saying that. But even if he gets back into this bullpen with an ERA around three coming out of this bullpen to put along with Devin Williams, to put along with Josh Hader, he costs you nothing. If you assign him and it doesn't work out, you cut him and you move, cut your losses and you move on. That's a lot cheaper of an alternative than potentially trading draft picks at some point this year or a major league player, whatever the case may be, in order to get a reliever. It, it's, to me at least, low-cost, high-reward. What did it possibly hurt to go out and bring a Jeremy Jeffers in to this Brewers team at this point? Tell me how that is a bad idea. I'm here for you. Tweet us at 1250 AM The Fan. Tweet us at Sparky Radio. Again, this is what we're doing right here is maybe a little out of the box. But it's thinking outside of the box a little bit from the aspect of what are cheap alternatives that can make this baseball team even better than it is right now. You have a glaring need for another stick. Aguilar could be that. I don't think you'd have to give up much to get him. And you have a glaring need right now for another reliever in this bullpen, specifically at the back end. The long reliever thing with Lindblom, whatever. I mean, find somebody to be the long reliever. I, I don't get too all caught up in long relief pitchers in the game of baseball because normally it's a guy coming when you're getting shelled the game's over you're the white flag for the bullpen right 
pretty much. If you're the wrong long reliever on a team, you're essentially the white flag for the manager saying to the other manager, we give up. You win, he's going to pitch till his arm falls off no matter what happens, we're done. So I don't really care who's in that position at the end of the day. Now, the only time it backfires on you is like what happened the other day when Brett Anderson gets hurt, and then you got to put him in in a game where it almost looks like he's starting at this point uh, when he comes in that early. But very rarely will that really happen over the course of a given season. Having said that, a Jeremy Jeffers in the back end of that bullpen, if right, makes a huge difference. Asus Aguilar coming off of the bench or rotating in with Kesson Hira at first base makes a, to me at least, a huge difference in just how good this Brewers baseball team could be going forward. And it doesn't cost you any prospects. It doesn't cost you huge money. It's not because at this point, Jeremy Jeffers is just going to sign for whatever he's offered, I think, right? Don't, don't you think? If you went to Jeremy Jeffers and said, hey, veteran minimum, play for the year, let's go try and win a World Series. I think Jeremy Jeffers goes, hell yeah, I'm in, let's go. I've been sitting here for over a year wanting to play. Nobody will give me a chance. So, well, maybe not over a year. He played last year, but I, I want to get in. Haven't been in a spring training, haven't been anywhere. Yeah, I go to the alternate side, I'll get myself warmed up, ready to go here, you know, three, three weeks or so, and let's rock and roll. I think that's... That's very, very uh, legitimate of a scenario uh, that the Brewers should consider exploring at this point. I really do. Uh, reviewing the Brew gets in on the, did the Brewers make a mistake by trading Jesus Aguilar? In hindsight, yes. But at the time, it did make some sense to move him, given what the first baseman situation was and how he was producing. If I had turned out or if they acquired someone else who turned out, moving him wouldn't look as bad as it does right now. So, absolutely. That's exactly uh, what it is at this point. So, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see uh, how this all plays out going forward because if you get into a situation at the deadline and if first base is still an issue and you don't attempt to make a move to get Aguilar back, I'm going to be disappointed. I am. And if you are struggling in the back end of the bullpen and it's not, and again, I don't know what Jeffress did. It's not beyond a Major League Baseball team. Like, it... it it must be something significant. It has to be. Based on his numbers in Chicago, and I haven't heard anything from Chicago. In fact, Lawrence Holmes from 670, the score is going to be on tomorrow on the Wendy's Big Show, previewing the Bears. Uh, maybe the guys can bring up to him tomorrow. Hey, man, what is going on? Why can't Jeremy Jeffers get a job? What happened in Chicago when Jeffers was a Cub? They should ask Lawrence Holmes, that, Lawrence Holmes that question tomorrow. I know they're talking Bears and NFC North and draft and all that, but something must have occurred in that clubhouse. Had to have occurred in that clubhouse for him not to have a gig at this point. It just doesn't make any dang sense. None. Let's go to Tim downtown. You're next on Sparky's Midday Madness. What's going on, Tim? Hey, let's, uh, you know, talking about um, the fact that they have a big stick, you know, not, not talking about uh, Jimmy Jeffers right now. You talk about the fact that you're missing um, at first base, and you're missing at third base, too. Um, you know, three years ago or four years ago, whatever it was, they brought in Eric Seams from, from Korea, and he had a good, solid year. I mean, he didn't hit 320, but he hit 25 home runs. Or Never liked the signing from the beginning. Pardon? Go ahead. Okay. The next year he was injured, so they brought in Aguilar. Aguilar did very well, and then he wasn't hitting the next year, so they brought Derek, Derek, Eric Seams back in. Eric Thames had a very solid year his third year. He had 25 home runs, hit close to 250, and then they let him go. 
And the question is, why didn't they let why did they let him go? They let him go because he was going to be too too expensive. Same thing with with Mustakas and the same thing with uh, with Grandel. The problem is is that um, Stearns looks for cheap as opposed to quality, and that's the bottom line. Well, I think it's yeah. a, I think when you're in a, a size of uh, Milwaukee market, you have to figure out where you want to spend your money on the payroll. Look, they're not, they don't have a $250 million payroll. Their payroll is going to be a hundred, 120, somewhere in that area. You got to figure out where do you want to spend the money? You decided way before Stearns got here that you were going to give Braun all that money. So that was a good chunk of your salary when Stearns got here that he could have moved on from. And now looking back at that Dodgers deal, he should have moved on from probably at that point, if they could have got that Dodger deal done. But they couldn't, and you were stuck with his salary for the rest of his contract. Well, you know, and I agree with you, but the problem, and the problem is basically that they won't say, and nobody else will say, that this is a team that can never afford to go to the World Series. Well, I think that's, that's a fair point. Line. They will never go to the World Series because they can't afford to pay the players that will take them there. They had those players at one time, and instead of, instead of um, going to the next step, to try and get another pitcher to get to the World Series, they let all those guys go. They didn't get anything for them. They just let them all go. Yeah. Hey, look, I, I don't I don't disagree with you that it's going to be very difficult for this team to go to a World Series because of payroll disparity. But the one way you can get to the World Series on payroll disparity is if you have a bunch of young pitchers that are on cheap deals that you can win with and spend your money on the hitters. That, I think, is the key to small market success. And even if you go back and look, thanks for the call, I, I, Plucker maybe could do this. If you look at the Oakland Athletics, that Moneyball movie, and I don't know if anybody liked the Moneyball movie or not. I, I know the purists hated the movie. I love the movie. It's one of my favorite movies I've seen. I just love Moneyball, regardless of how much of it is true or not. But if you look at that team with Mulder and Hudson, who's not featured in the movie at all, really, other than the back of his jersey, I believe all of those guys weren't making huge money at that point yet. They hadn't hit it. But those guys were all developed Barry Zito was on that uh, in that rotation too. Those guys were all still in the early stages of their careers, so they were all cheap. Then you were able to go out and fill in with guys like David Justice, who cost you a pretty penny, and, and guys like that. That's how they were able to get that done. Now, again, that was not a World Series team. They did not win the World Series or anything of the sort. Billy Bean never did. But that's probably how you get it done if you're a small market. You probably can't get it done with having to trade farm systems for guys and everything else, like you did with Sabathia, like you did with Grinky. Yes, short-term, it works. And if you catch lightning in a bottle, sure, it works. The more likely scenario is developing your pitching and getting it put together like the Brewers have this year, and then using your capital to go out and get guys like Moustakis, like Grandall, to fill in the holes. The problem is, is right now the way it sits because of no fans last year and limited fan capacity this year and so forth. Now you don't have probably the the flexibility payroll-wise that you want. Antanasio has said year after year, very consistent, I believe him. If they want to do something and they think it gives us the best shot to get make the playoffs and have a chance to go to the World Series, I'm here for you. I got you. He said it over and over and over and over again. And not yet, to the best of my knowledge, and if this has happened, it hasn't been leaked because I haven't seen it anywhere, nor have I heard it from anybody over there. Not that I've heard of. Has Antonio said to David Stearns, David Stearns walks in, got this deal in place, I want to get this guy, but it's going to cost us another $12 million for the rest of the year. And Antonio goes, glad you got the deal in place. We don't have the money. Sorry, can't do it. I've not heard of that scenario happening. 
Every time he's wanted somebody, to the best of my scenario, and they've been able to work out a deal and bring on salary, they've been able to do it. So from from that aspect of looking at this organization and, and how they've gone about their business, I think they've gone about their business just fine. The problem is they haven't been able to develop pitching through this whole time until now. And now you've got two potential Cy Young candidates in Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. You've got another guy that finally is starting to put it all together, it appears, and Freddie Peralta possibly. And then two, two you know, solid guys, I, I would say, in Hauser and Brad Anderson, and then your bullpen. That's how you win a World Series. Not saying they're going to win a World Series this year, but that's probably how you do it. I, I, I called up and I looked at uh, Eric Thames. Now, listen, I was never a Thames guy. Didn't like the signing when they signed him, uh, and when they moved on from him, I was fine with that as well. Thames in Milwaukee, 247, uh, 359 on base, which everybody loves, 518 slugging, 26 homers uh, on the year that year. In 2017, age 30 year. 2018, he spent time between the Brewers and Colorado Springs. Uh, 219, 306 on base. That's awful. Uh, 10 homers, 3 RBIs. Uh, and remember, Aguilar took his job. 2019, that was Aguilar's job, and then it ended up becoming Thames' job again. 247, 346 on base. 20, uh, let's see here, homers. 25 homers. Uh, that year, 61 RBIs, and then they decided that they were moving on. Aguilar turned 33 in 2020, plays for the Nationals last year, hits uh, 203, 300 on base, 317 slugging, just horrible uh, in 41 games, and then is is back uh, and out of the U.S. and playing back again overseas. And that's the end of Eric Thames, and I doubt we'll see Eric Thames again in a Major League Baseball uniform. But yeah, I mean, if you're a Thames guy, you could probably make a similar argument. I'm not sure if it's as strong of an argument as Aguilar, but you could definitely make that 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 point for certain, no question. All right, coming up next, we'll look ahead. We'll preview Romney's show. Uh, maybe we'll take a look around and see a couple mock drafts as well. All straight ahead here on Sparky's Midday Madness on The Fan. Welcome in, Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM. The Fan, see Sparky Pfeiffer. Dan Plucker, executive producer with you. Brewers starting lineup is out. We'll get you the Brewers starting lineup here uh, momentarily. First, got to tell you about my friends over at Young Express. John Young and his crew do a great job. Perfect group to partner up with. Now, again, partner up with is what we're talking about here. We're talking about becoming a successful transporter of expedited freight. You've ever thought about becoming your own boss? Well, now's the time, right? It's time to join the Young Express team. Partner up with them. Live a stress-free lifestyle. Put the windows down. Turn up the radio to the fan and drive, baby, drive and get paid for it, too. Now, this is how it works. A successful transport of expedited freight. What does that mean? Well, that means you go from point A to point B with your vehicle. Really, that's all it is. You drive for a career. And this is a career. I, I don't look at this as a gig. Like, oh, I'm in between things. No, 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 this is a career. And when we talk about this, there's so many different options. Drive locally, drive regionally, or over the road. Now, over the road means nationwide. In all scenarios... You need a really good dispatch team if you're going to do this for a, a career. Young Express, 24-7. Extremely dedicated. Take it very personal. Keep drivers moving. 
Why is that a big deal? Well, if you're not moving to go get freight or deliver freight, you're not making any money. So you need that dispatch team to be on top of their game. With minimal investment in your own vehicle, Young Express provide you all the training necessary for you to become a successful transporter of expedited freight. 99% no-touch freight. The freight's loaded and offloaded for you. So all I have to do is worry about driving. They're looking for full-time independent contractors. Join the Young Express team today. You can find them at youngexpress.com. That's J-U-N-G express.com. Young Express. Success drives you and... Uh, Drives them, I should say. Time for the starting lineups. That's uh, brought to you by Jim Dandy's Pub and Grill on South 27th Street in Oak Creek. Watch all of their games on their multiple TVs and enjoy their steak, fish fry, ribs, and seafood specials. JimDandy'sGrill.com. I think switched ownership last year, and I have not been in there since they switched ownership, and I'm going to have to get in there and check that place out for myself because everybody I've talked to that's been there since they switched ownership uh, said it's – Great food. So, got to check it out. Uh, all right, Dan Plucker, you tell me all about the Milwaukee Brewers' starting lineup for tonight's game against the Marlins, a game that you, Dan Plucker, are going to. I am going to the game tonight. My first game in almost two years, mm-hmm. I believe, because of COVID, so I'm very excited. Because I'm a big of the, baseball fan. So Yes. And because of the pandemic, will you be signing autographs if people see you at American well, Family. I'd be signing autographs. Well, yes. Uh, if people see you yes. because of the pandemic, would you still be if, willing to sign an autograph? If anybody approaches me. Yes, you. Dan Plucker. For an autograph. Asks for an autograph. I'll be up in the the, the third story. The fourth, well, third or fourth. I don't third. know. Four. I'm in like 400 series. Or something yeah. like that. Yeah. If you approach me, I will definitely give you an autograph. You will. Okay. So there you I, go. I will be very surprised. You're gonna have to bring happens. your own pen though, or marker if you want him to sign a baseball or something for you. Because yeah. he's not gonna just carry that around. He's not uh, Leroy. Leroy carries that stuff with him. And Plucker, not so much. Yeah, uh, definitely not. All right, starting lineup. <laughs> what do we got? Uh, well, we have a lefty on the mound for the Marlins tonight, Daniel Castano. So I'll preface this oh, no. interesting lineup with that. Well, it can't be worse than last night's. Can it? It's testing it. Oh, All right, leading off, oh, Tyrone oh. Taylor in left field. Tyrone Taylor in left field. Okay, he's been red hot. I don't yeah. mind him leading off. He's been good. Fine. Uh, but I think you can tell who's not playing if Tyrone Taylor's leading off. All right, just keep going. So, playing catcher, hitting second, Omar Narvaez. He's been hot. He's been red hot. One, I'm two. excited to see him. I like one, two. Oh, yeah. Okay. Hitting I'm scared third. of what my lineup's going to be tomorrow when I go to the game. Okay, go ahead. Hitting third, Avi Garcia in right field. Hasn't hit in a week. Okay. He's like oh for like his last 23, 24, something goofy like hitting that. Hitting fourth. He had a three-hit day the other day like we talked about earlier. Guest in here. Guest in here. He's playing first. Okay. Fifth, Travis Shaw, third base. Okay. Again, all three of these guys haven't been playing all that well, other than here's three-hit game. Right. Okay. Uh, sixth, Luis Urias, shortstop. Stop. One second. This is – I'm going to nitpick because this is what I do. There is no reason why Urias shouldn't be up in the top three. Narvaez should be hitting three. Urias should be hitting two. He's been hitting the ball every time he's been given the opportunity. He just can't stay on the field. But if he's starting and on the field, he's hit well enough to justify being in the top three. I agree. And then slot everybody else back at that moment in time. I agree. Anyways, go ahead. No, I agree. And and Uh, Garcia should be lower in the lineup. So if you want to leave Keston here at four and move Garcia down further, that's fine. But I I just think Urias should be up higher. All right, go ahead. Seventh, playing center field, Jackie Bradley Jr. He can't hit either. He's hot or cold, and he's cold right now. And eighth, playing second base today, Pablo Reyes. And again, 
spring training says he can hit, but we have to see it, and we haven't had a big enough sample size to see that. last night. And yeah. Adrian Hauser, of course, on the mound, 3.32 ERA, 12 Ks in three starts so far this season, 1-2 record. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I we'll see what happens. I mean, you're going, so maybe you'll bring him some good luck. It'll all turn around. What are you most looking forward to going to that game tonight? Are Most you tailgating? To, I'm not tailgating. Not no. tailgating. I'm just going to the game with one of my buddies. Okay. Um, I'm just excited for baseball. I, I love live baseball. I love the stadium environment, the feel, the organ music, Bernie, everything. I'm I'm so excited. I'm I'm juiced. 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 Ooh, that's a big one. Definitely. Even with this less than ideal lineup today for the Brewers, uh, I'm excited to see live baseball once again. All right. So there you go. So he's juiced for tonight. I, I think for me, we may tailgate, thinking about maybe tailgating tomorrow. I don't know if we are or not. I got to look at the forecast. I haven't seen the forecast. I see a lot of rain on and off of the forecast the rest of today. I mean, look to see what Wednesday's forecast is. But I, I think tailgating might be something we consider. But to me, it's more about the just the experience of going and buying a bag of peanuts at the concession stand, right? And I know a lot of you bring your own because you want to spend the money. I get it. But there, there's just something to me about getting a brat or a hot dog with some secret stadium sauce or whatever the case may be, right, at the park and having some peanuts and whatever the case is uh, and just sitting back and relaxing for three hours, not worrying about anything else, just watching the game. Kids are having fun. They're watching the game or whatever. Just it's very relaxing to me. You know, some people like going to the beach to relax, lying out in the beach or lying out by the pool. Not my thing. I enjoy relaxing by going to watching a baseball game for three hours. Like that, that's that's how I relax. So I think much more relaxing than that. The only time when it's not relaxing for me at that stadium is when it's sauna-like feel in there. You know, when you're in there and it's high humidity outside and it's, you know, 90s and you're inside and you're sweating before, you know, the first pitch is thrown. That's not relaxing. That stresses me out. But providing it's decent temperatures, which it will be tomorrow, it'll be relatively cool again. So it'll be nice in there, regardless if it's raining or not. The roof will be closed tomorrow afternoon. That's what what I'm kind of looking forward to. So there you go. Anybody else that's been going to the games, maybe we'll talk more about uh, your experience of going to games now with the pandemic and sitting in the pod system and all of that. We'll have Plucker's experience. So he's going in a pod of two. I'm going to be a pod of six. Uh, when we go uh, tomorrow afternoon. So we very well may have different experiences. I'm thinking the $5 flash sale, I'm anxious to see how spread out everybody is. You know, you're in your own pod and you may not have anybody on either side of you, but am I going to have somebody right behind me breathing on me for the entire game? Or are, is it going to be more spread out? Like how how strategic, I guess, is it to keep everybody separate from each other? Right. Well, and I think... N- the flash sale probably brought up tickets a little bit. Well, $5 tickets. But, a lot of people can afford $5 tickets. But to be honest with you, it's a weeknight game against the Marlins. So I don't think it's the sexiest game in the world to be going to. No, it's not. Absolutely. Not at all. No question. Uh, all right. So coming up next uh, is going to be uh, the Rami Makhlouf show. Or the Rami show is what we're calling it. Why didn't he call it the Rami Makhlouf show? I don't understand. Because who can spell Makhlouf correctly? Well, I still struggle I, with it to this day. Uh, we got it. You got Heffelfinger next to you over there. He produces the show. They should have called it the Makhlouf and Heffelfinger show. I mean, that again, that would have been fun, right? Evan would have liked it. Uh, okay, so coming up uh, in the first hour of the show, Ryan Wood, Green Bay Press Gazette. Uh, Packer beat writer, obviously. He'll be joining Rami coming up at about 3.30. 
Then at 4.30, Peter Bukowski, Locked on Packers podcast. Uh, he'll be joining the show at 4.30. Mock draft mockery uh, coming up at about eh, 4.45, 4.50 or so with the franchise uh, Tim Allen. And then, of course, uh, Great Lakes Dragway Pick a Lane coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. And they're going to start off, Rami and, and the crew are going to start off talking about the Goody comments uh, from yesterday that you heard right here on Rami's show. They played it for you. Uh, right after it happened. Uh, and it's going to be a, a relatively couple of simple questions. How reassured are you with what Gunnikun said? And if you were Aaron Rodgers, how reassured would you be after hearing what Brian Gunnikun said during that press conference yesterday? Dial them up now, 414-799-1250, 414-799-1250. You can also uh, tweet Rami. At 12.50 a.m., the fan uh, as well. Why do I want to talk to him for? I'm just wondering. Rami called in and said that, like, if you wanted to talk to him, do some crosstalk, you could. He's on He's on the hotline right now. Okay. Hey, Rami, uh, it's 3.02. Where are you? Your show's supposed to be going right now. Yeah, I know. I left my house 35 minutes ago, dude. It's not Chicago there, traffic, dude. You're in Milwaukee. How hard could it possibly a, be? There was an overturned semi and and construction materials strewn about the interstate. I'm sure I'm not the only one who could attest to that. Well, good. While you're on while you're on the uh, while you're on the phone here, I just got an email from yeah. the Brewers. More injury news. Manny Pena has been placed on the 10-day injured list with a fractured left great toe. Is the great toe your big toe? Is that what a great right. toe is? I've never seen that term before. They called it the great toe? G-R-E-A-T, great toe. What is the great toe? I'm assuming it's the big toe. I don't know. Uh, Somebody needs to be Googling that right now. Yeah, the so then uh, I'm already on it. Luke Manley right, recalled from uh, the alternate training site, so he comes up to back up Narvaez. Then Phil Bigford optioned to all the alternate training site. Here we go. Just get the shuttle ready. Back and forth to Appleton. Patrick Weigel, one of the guys they got from the Atlanta Braves. Big hard throw recalled from the alternate training site. So we'll get our yeah, first that's look. Who, that's the dude with the big arm, right? That's, that's correct. Okay. Yep. So we'll get our first look and see what he can do. One of the first, one of the two pitchers they acquired in, in the Orlando Arcia trade. So there you go. So Pena's hurt. Bigford came in, didn't do well. Out he goes. In comes Weigel. We'll see how Weigel does out of the pen as the Brewers still mixing and matching because of injuries. And now Pena, uh, the latest one with the great toe. Did you figure out what the great toe is? It's the toe big is? toe, yes. I was right. Yes, it is the big toe. Yeah. There you go. I don't think any toe should be should be called the great toe. There's nothing great about toes. They're gross. Groundbreaking uh, but, analysis. On yeah, that's good, though. But, but, but. Mark, if you ever had a toe problem, debilitating, man. It is debilitating when you have a toe problem. Any kind of toe injury is just the worst. And especially if you're playing catcher and you're in that crouching position all that all that time, I can't even imagine, man. I told you a few weeks ago. We talked about this on the air, I believe. I cut a toenail too short on my great toe on my right foot. And, oh, man, for like a week – for like a week, it had me messed up, Sparky. You know what I've realized over the course of time knowing you? Your pain tolerance isn't very high. You, you just, what do you mean? I have it's very just, high pain tolerance. I, I don't know, man. I don't think you're... You've seen me? I think uh, of the me? people on this station, you might have the lowest pain tolerance of the entire no, staff. I think no, that might I've, be true. You've, you've seen me host four, six, eight-hour shifts with a migraine. What are you even talking about? So not only... Not I only are Michael you Michael Jordan flu games with migraines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, know yeah, what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. Not only are you the slowest staff member, but you also might have the least amount oh, of pain here tolerance. Here you go again, thinking that you could st- 
still beat me in a race right. with your old ass. I think everybody can beat you in a race. I don't know if you, I don't think you can beat anybody on the staff. Oh come on! Does Gary even have one real knee? He might be able to hop and beat you at this point. Oh, gee, dude. Meet me in the parking lot. I'll be there in three minutes. Meet me in the parking lot, and let's do this damn thing. I'm just right? waiting for you to get here, man. All right, I'll see what you get here. There he is, Rodney Makloff on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline late for his show. We've applied for home renovation loan. Has you feeling anxious? Breathe. The Great Midwest Bank help you experience a state of tranquility. Get started at greatmidwestbank.com. He's here, he says. He's in the parking lot, so he's next. The great Rami Makloff, next, here on The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my word. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.